The TCU Horned Frogs went on the road Saturday night in prime time and picked up a big win over Houston, 36-13, the final score of the Big 12 opener between the Horned Frogs and the Cougars. We have all of that and more coming up on our episode of the Frogs Up podcast this evening. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. Thanks so much for joining us as we continue to cover all things TCU sports. TCU football, soccer, and volleyball all having very successful weekends. Anthony, how's it going? How was your weekend? Hey, Russ. Yeah, had a had a really nice weekend. It was my wife's birthday yesterday, and so we went and we had some sushi and had a, a good weekend all around. And of course, got to watch a, a Horn Frogs victory. So any weekend with that is a, is a good weekend. How about you, Russ? Pretty busy. Uh, had the family come in town. My brother, his wife, they brought their little one. He's just over two years old. My godchild got to spend a lot of time with him. So uh, really good weekend with the family. Really low key. Just got to spend some time and hang out with the fam. So it was a, a nice, relaxed weekend. Have a, a really busy work week coming up ahead. So um, ready to get back to it. And let's let's talk about this TCU football game here. Uh, get, let's get into our plugs here first real quick. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company, Charlie Hustle Vintage Made Fresh. Go online to charliehustle.com, get your TCU swag today with the promo code TEN1215. That's promo code TEN1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Or you could use the promo code FROGSOWAR for 15% off all TCU items. So whether it's TCU, any Big 12 swag, Charlie Hustle partnering with the 1012 network, use either of those promo codes, Charlie Hustle. They have great stuff. Check it out online. Also, Prize Picks. If you want to play daily fantasy sports, download the Prize Picks mobile app or go online to prizepicks.com. Use the promo code FROGS12 for a 100% deposit match up to $100. The Patreon is live through the 1012 network if you would like to donate. Support the network. Support the two of us here on Frogs Up. Go to patreon.com forward slash TEN 12 network. And one more announcement. This is something that I think Anthony and I are both really excited about. Frogs of War is partnering with Onnit Athlete. For those who don't know, Onnit makes trading cards and other merchandise for collegiate athletic programs around the country. They're working with about 40 colleges and universities this year, TCU being one of them in the past. They've worked with Oregon and Washington and Boise State, Alabama, and more. They make trading cards for football, basketball, baseball, all the major sports, and they're launching a TCU football trading card line this year. Pre-sales are live if you go online uh, look up on it athlete online, or you can check out our Frogs of War Facebook and Twitter. We have some information posted there as well. TCU football trading cards packs are twelve ninety nine each. Thirty three percent of all sales go to TCU NIL, so it's a great cause. If you want to support TCU, support the football team, support the athletes. Check out on it athlete. Buy a pair of TCU, a pack of TCU football trading cards. October 2nd is when the packs will officially launch, and we're hoping to get our hands on some samples so we can share and give you all a little bit of a taste of, of what's in store, because I think this is this is something that we're really excited about. Anthony, I know you mentioned that your your little ones are excited to, to get their hands on some trading cards here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You're going to love these. We got some samples of some of the ones of the other schools that they had, and they're just they're really high quality stuff. And uh, it, it's super fun to open these packs and check out what cards you get. Um, yeah, your, your kids are going to love them. It's going to make great Christmas presents and all of that as well. So I, I'm excited for this. I think it's a really cool opportunity and it's very cool that it supports the, the TCU NIL. And this money, uh, you know, a percentage of this goes straight back to the players themselves. So it's it's pretty cool stuff. All right, let's go ahead and get right into it. TCU football going on the road. Primetime matchup on Fox, taking on the Houston Cougars. And TCU really controlled this football game from start to finish, opening the Big 12 schedule with a 36-13 victory. A lot went well for TCU in this game. And, Anthony, we talked about this game potentially being a high-scoring battle. I think both of our 
predictions. We had a lot of points being put up, but the story of the game I felt was the TCU defensive performance and TCU came into the game having not given up a offensive touchdown against nickel state. Granted that's an FCS opponent. That's a weak opponent. I was intrigued to see how TCU's defense would stand up to Houston after a pretty tough showing in week one against Colorado and TCU's defense pitched a shutout in the second half, only gave up two field goals in this game. Houston's only touchdown was a special teams kickoff return by Matthew Golden. TCU's defense shined in this football game, limiting the Cougars to only 41 rushing yards, six sacks in the game for TCU, two turnovers. Bud Clark, Zach Marcicelli both had interceptions. Paul Oyewale had two sacks. Johnny Hodges had a sack. Everybody was getting involved. Donovan Smith, quarterback for Houston, completed only 48, just over 48% of his passes. And he had negative 12 yards rushing on 12 attempts. I think much of that was due to the sacks that he took. But a really impressive performance by this defense all around. And I'm not sure that's what we were really expecting coming into this game. Anthony, what are your thoughts on just how this game played out and specifically what you saw from this defense on Saturday. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see as the season goes along how much of this was TCU's defense really stepping up and how much is Houston turns out to have a really pretty terrible offense. Um, I, I think we all had this expectation of a Dana Holgerson offense, Donovan Smith, we know him, he's a dynamic athlete, can make a lot of things happen. Uh, those receivers, Sam Brown, Matthew Golden, uh, they can they can make crazy things happen out there, and they just didn't. They it, it fell completely flat from that Houston offense on Saturday, and you know I think Golden had a couple drops, Manjack had a couple drops. There was a drop touchdown in the end zone, um, and I think that was a fourth down attempt as well. So you know I think there were opportunities there for Houston to have performed better, but certainly TCU's defense put up a big show. I think especially Johnny Hodges had a terrific game. That's his sack um, there in the end zone that probably should have been a safety um, where Donovan Smith gets like maybe half of the football out of the end zone. Um, but he he made, he was making tackles all over the place. Bud Clark had a great game. Um, I know we were, that was the player in our, our write-up that I really wanted to see his um, his performance and expected him to get an interception, and then he went out and did just that. So, yeah, I think the TCU defense has been extremely impressive through these last two weeks. Um, and, you know, I think took a lot of heat, and deservedly so, after the Colorado performance allowing, you know, over 500 yards passing from Shadur Sanders. And that Colorado team has turned out to be probably better than we thought. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, for TCU to respond in this way, these last two games, to to come out and put up that kind of performance, regardless of FCS opponent, regardless of whether Houston ends up at the bottom of the Big 12 by the end of the season or not, um, it's still it's still an impressive show from them on Saturday night. I was really happy to see Bud Clark make that play and a player that I was really excited to watch as well. And I have, uh, I guess this will be a little bit of a teaser. I have an article coming out on frogsofwar.com on him uh, later this week. I thought Paul Iwale had a really nice game. He had two sacks, which led the team. He had five total tackles, two tackles for loss. And this is a player that has an opportunity to be one of the big playmakers for this TCU defense. And that was one thing that I really wanted to see from this defense coming in is who was going to step up and be a big time playmaker. And Paul Iwale with three sacks now in three games, 10 total tackles. This is a guy who didn't really play at all last year. I think he only played in three games, had one total tackle last year. It was a, a freshman. Now he's a redshirt freshman. He's bulked up from when he came in as, as a high school prospect. He's, 6'4", 275, built like a D-end, and he's stepping into that Dylan Horton role last year. Dylan Horton led TCU with 10 sacks last year, was an NFL draft pick, and has the same exact height and weight measurables as Paul Iwale does now at 6'4", 
275. So you got the the big guys on the other side of the line with Dominic Williams at nose tackle, uh, Caleb Fox at the other defensive line spot. But Paul Iwale having a really good game against Houston is encouraging for the rest of the season. And with Dominic Williams being only a second-year player, Paul Iwale only being a second-year player and having so much young talent on that defensive line with Marcus Deal and Zach Chapman and Avion Carter and others, TCU's defensive line has a chance to be really, really strong within the next year or so. So I just want to give a Paul Oyewale a shout out there because I thought he had a, a nice game as well. And then Donovan Smith, maybe I overestimated his ability as a runner because I was surprised that Houston did not really get him involved in the run game. I thought that he would have some designed run plays called for him to carry the football. And it just seemed like Houston was fine with leaving him in the pocket and forcing him to, to read the defense and make the throws. And I think there were some points where the Cougar receivers didn't really help him out. There were a handful of drop passes in this game, but Donovan Smith also made some pretty poor throws. He was inaccurate on a lot of short throws. And I felt like watching him at Texas Tech, his strength was being a dual threat quarterback, not really just sitting in the pocket and and making all these throws around the field. And Houston finishes with only 41 rushing yards. I just felt like they, they had nothing on the ground. And TCU's defense deserves a lot of credit there, but... Anthony, is it? Do you think I maybe overestimated Donovan Smith's running ability? Were you surprised that he didn't really run the ball as much? I think early on there were times where he tried to escape and it just wasn't there. I think Namdi Obiazor got one where he he chased him out of bounds. Um, one Johnny uh, or Jamoy Hodge chased him down, and and I think he was just getting hassled back there that at least on those broken plays, he was not able to to get out and, and make stuff happen that way. The lack of designed runs to him, I was surprised. And I think, you know, maybe it's clear Dana Holgerson knows, uh, you know, Donovan Smith is not Geno Smith, is not Pat White, is not, uh, you know, some of those dynamic quarterbacks um, that, that maybe you could, you've seen in the past. So, uh yeah, Donovan Smith was did not live up to our expectations and and you know, he was off hot or cold at Texas Tech. He had big huge games where he took down giants of opponents and he had games where he was a total ghost. So I think that um this was a game where he certainly underperformed his expectations. Um but I do think there will be games this season where he takes takes teams by surprise and and comes out and makes stuff happen. Um, for the TCU defense, I, I did also want to point out, you know, they did give up a couple of these long third, third and longs, um, again, where, uh, a, a, a frequent complaint of third and longs, you drop deep off of the line of scrimmage, you drop, uh, the entire linebacker crew and only rush three Donovan Smith did pick up a couple that way, tossing the ball around, but for the day TCU held uh, held Houston under, it was something, oh man, I just had the stat up here. Uh, shoot. Well, they were 0 for 4 on fourth downs. I know that much. That was, that was a, a big part of this game is Houston was, and I think Houston came into the game with the most failed fourth down attempts already on the season. This is something that they, they do and they have not been good at. Uh, this season, but again, we're 0 for 4, and yeah, here we go. They were 4 of 15 on third downs, so TCU forcing a lot of third downs, um, a lot of difficult uh, positions for that Houston offense, and then being able to get off the field in those situations. It was it was um, really key to being able to turn that ball back over to the TCU offense to go handle business. And for the TCU offense. I thought this performance was eerily similar to the Colorado game in that when we were chopping it up in the group chat, Anthony, I think the comment that you made was empty calorie yards from the TCU offense in this game. And it was very similar to Colorado in that there were stretches of this game where TCU's 
offense was picking up chunk after chunk after chunk after chunk of yards, whether it was through the air or on the ground. Amani Bailey had another solid game on the ground. He had 23 carries, over 100 yards, a rushing touchdown. Chandler Morris had 314 total yards. He threw two touchdown passes, one to Warren Thompson, another one down the sideline to Savion Williams. 564 total yards for TCU in this game, 250 rushing yards, but 36 points. You felt like TCU could have had a lot more in this game. And you go back to Colorado, TCU scores 42 points and puts up 541 total yards, 262 rushing yards, and ultimately loses the game by a couple points. We know that the offense wasn't really the biggest reason why TCU dropped that game, but you you come into this Houston game, we thought TCU could score a lot of points, and I think the Frogs lived up to that expectation in some degrees, but the issues that this offense had against Colorado were untimely penalties, untimely turnovers, specifically in the red zone, and some play calls that were highly questionable from Kendall Bryles. I felt like those same issues persisted in this game. TCU had an interception, a fumble lost. Uh, There were a handful of penalties on the offensive side. And again, some interesting play calls. I think the most interesting one of the evening was the fourth down and three, where TCU calls for a quick pass to Jared Wiley near the line of scrimmage. The, The play was not going to work regardless if the pass was completed. There were a lot of things that were not done well on this play. Jared Wiley was held. There was no call. The ball was thrown high. It was tipped and intercepted. And even if he catches that ball, he's going to get tackled a couple yards short of the first down anyway. So there were, there were a few instances like that offensively in this game where you were just kind of left scratching your head, but you look at the, the stat sheet at the end of the game and you see 564 total yards and Imani Bailey's over 100. Trey Sanders was efficient on the ground. He had 48 yards and a touchdown on eight carries. So you see how good this offense could be, but it just seems like the offense is a couple pieces away from really figuring it out. Anthony, what are your thoughts on what you saw from the offense in this game and just how close do you feel like the offense is from fully putting it together? It feels like the offense has the pieces. It feels like the offense has clearly all the ability to to do what it wants, when it wants, but it just gets in these spots where, whether it's the play calling, whether it's the players on the field, everything just tightens up, and and they can't make that play to, to get over the hump. Yeah, 564 yards of total offense – uh, and you only score 36 points. To to put in perspective, in the national championship game, Georgia had 589 yards of total offense and obviously 65 points. It's the it's the you got to get in the end zone. You have to you have to score with those points. Um, and you cannot settle for uh, forcing yourself into attempting difficult field goals. Um, yeah, the the Jared Wiley fourth down play, you probably just take the points there. Fourth and three, if that's the play you're going to run, you're not going to pick it up anyway. Um, but the the one that I think was even more egregious was uh, a rush attempt to Jack Besh in in after TCU had first and ten at like the twenty five yard line. It's a rush attempt to Jack Besh that goes for negative 13 yards. And you end up forcing a very difficult field goal that is missed. And, you know, you're you're in a situation there where you have a chance to go down and, and pretty much you you go score a touchdown there. The game's over. The, the game ended up being, you know, well without uh, out of reach anyway. But you have a chance there to go and close the door on this game. And the way you're doing that is running some sort of uh, tricky, silly play to Jack Bash out of the backfield. Uh, that's 
uh, meanwhile, Imani Bailey and Trey Sanders are absolutely crushing them on the ground. Every single play, you're picking up six yards. Uh, it, there's just, it, it's a kind of thing of like, yeah, going in your bag when you don't need to or getting too cute or whatever it is that you want to say. This offense clearly that's something that it wants to do, I guess. Um, but it uh, it's it's worrisome that that TCU is unable to when they get inside the thirty, unable to take those drives and turn them into into touchdowns. You know, I, I think, and and maybe we're being a little bit overly critical here. TCU had a terrific day offensively. Even you know you you win by this large margin. Uh, you score all these points, you pick up all these yards. That is great, but there were clearly moments here where TCU left points on the field uh, that it should have been able to get. And as the competition heats up, certainly starting next week with SMU, you can't be leaving points on the field. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess we'll see if that's a continued uh situation with the play calling of maybe we're maybe we're just showing funky stuff here early in the season so that it it makes uh it, it puts it on tape it forces defensive coordinators to plan for uh the jack besh negative 13 yard run play i, I don't know why that's in the playbook um <laughs> i yeah i i guess i'll leave it at that and and just say you know i think that the Chandler Morris run game was a huge uh, component of this game on Saturday that um, hadn't really shown. He obviously had a pretty good running game against Nickel State, um, had the long touchdown run, but here there were designed runs. He was a more confident runner. Um, he was safe with his body. He went down sliding easily each time. He got himself a bunch of first downs running the ball. So I, I was impressed with his performance there. I was... Um, I was impressed with they finally took some shots downfield. Uh, yeah, the two touchdowns to uh, to Savion and to Warren Thompson were those are plays that TCU hasn't really even tried that through uh, the first the first couple games. So that was good to see. Um, but I think we know that there's more that this offense can do, and and if it does put it all together, it's going to be pretty dangerous offense going forward for sure. And Dylan Wright, who I thought would play in this game, I don't think he did play still out with that calf injury, so that was unfortunate. But um, I agree with you about Chandler Morris. It was really nice to see him continue to grow as a runner. I know that he talked after the Nickel State game to the media about just needing to mentally get over that hurdle of you can trust that knee that you injured last year, and you know that if you cut, the knee is going to respond. And you know when to get out of the pocket. I think Chandler Morris showed some pretty good pocket awareness in this game because Houston, to give Houston a little bit of credit on defense, they were bringing a lot of pressure, particularly through the middle of the line. And I thought Chandler Morris did a good job of getting the ball out quickly when he needed to. Offensively, TCU again played with a lot of pace, and I thought the pace was really effective. There were multiple instances where Houston players were slow to get back to the line of scrimmage and get set. There were three or four Houston defenders that went out with injuries at certain points, whether they were cramps or something else. But I felt like TCU's tempo was wearing that defense down a little bit. And they they would pick up all of these yards in the middle of the field. And then it just seems like when they get closer to the end zone, they get a little bit too cute. I think that was kind of the, the theme when we were discussing the game in our group chat was they try to get cute with things behind the line of scrimmage or going horizontally as opposed to vertically. And when TCU did go vertical in this game, you had the 33-yard throw to Warren Thompson for the touchdown and then a 31-yard throw to Savion Williams, who had his best catch of the year, really his biggest play of the year, a player that's been really quiet so far, a guy that we had high expectations for. He had, I think three catches for 54 yards in this game. Hopefully he can continue to build on that. JP Richardson continued to be solid as usual. He had six catches for 60 yards. I thought major Everhart 
also had a nice game. He was a player last week. It was Jordan Bailey who was effective in some of those short yardage situations, some of those screen passes where you get the ball to him in space and he just makes plays with his speed and his shiftiness. I thought Major Everhart had a really nice game. So offensively, I think there's still a lot to like. I'm not trying to sound overly negative because I thought TC's offense did look good in this game and you see the potential for for how good this offense can be. It's just continuing to iron out some of those kinks, cutting down on some of the penalties. The the turnovers, I didn't really think were Chandler's fault in this game. I don't really put that interception on him. I think that was just a bad play call and a, a good play by the defense to to get a hand up and, and deflect that and ball. And it was a pass interference or a hold or whatever, and, too. And I mean, you got, yeah. yeah, you got Jared yeah. Wiley, 6'7", 260 pounds, getting his jersey almost ripped off of his body and, and the, the, but in the officials, honestly, I didn't think the officials were really calling a whole lot in this no. game. It felt like a lot of things were going uncalled, which, mm-hmm. you know, so sometimes I think that's better for the game as opposed to seeing laundry on the field every three minutes, like Colorado and Colorado state was that crazy overtime game. But ultimately it was a good performance for the offense and special teams, I thought took a little bit of a step back. There were some issues in kickoff return coverage. It seemed like Houston was getting some big returns. Obviously, the touchdown from from Matthew Golden. Griffin Kell missed a few kicks. A couple of those field goals were pretty long. I believe one was a, a 59 or 60 yarder. Yeah. And then another somewhat lengthy field goal. And then an extra point where I think the, the snap might have been a little high. And the ball just got shanked into, into Lubbock. So... Hopefully that gets ironed out for for the iron skillet next week with TCU taking on SMU. Anthony, any any final thoughts, any final comments about this game as we transition here into our next topic? Yeah, I think two things. Uh, on the, the point about penalties, yes, the game was allowed to play a little bit, especially the, the receiver-cornerback battles that that were had on both sides, I think were, were allowed to play out um, without too much incident, but TCU was still called for seven penalties for 75 yards in this one. Um, and some really kind of that, that hurts you pretty bad. Um, some holding penalties that brought back some, some big plays uh, procedure penalties. Again, I think that the offensive, the, the second piece of the point here is the offensive line this was a more troubling game from the offensive line. I think Chandler Morris, like you said, was faced a lot more pressure here. And TCU has not yet faced a team with like a legit pass rush with like NFL players. I think Houston's got some guys. I think there's there's some really talented guys out there on that defensive line and the linebackers that um, did some some pretty good things against the TCU offensive front, but. Um, you know, later down the line, you start, you see the, the players that, you know, Kansas State and Texas Tech and, and especially Texas and Oklahoma are going to throw at you. And uh, things could get really nasty for the TCU offense if that offensive line doesn't start cleaning some of that up. So I think that's going to be something really to watch going forward is how does TCU's offensive line and, and how does the play calling address, you know, getting the ball out fast, running some of those those screen plays, the quick action, uh, draw plays to take advantage of some of these defenses that will be much more aggressive in their their efforts to get to the quarterback. So um, like you said, overall, obviously very positive. TCU sits atop the Big 12 standings, uh, 1-0 and in Big 12 play. It's great to go on the road and get a conference win. Um, and, you know, I think unfortunately uh, the the weather, it was a little bit rainy before, right before kickoff. So, you know, some of the early excitement of this game day in Houston for their first conference game maybe have been tampered a little bit just by, you know, people were a little hesitant to, to get out into the stadium uh, before that rain. But, but, uh, to go on the road and get a conference win, it's a it's a great start and and I think still there's a lot better competition coming up for the Horn Frogs throughout the rest of the season and um, so I, I I think there'll be more tests to come. 
and TCU will be back on the field for the Iron Skillet against SMU. 11 a.m. kickoff this coming weekend. It's going to be a rowdy game. SMU fresh off their invitation to the ACC. Looking to win one more time as this Iron Skillet rivalry comes to a close soon here in 2025. Or will it? We don't know. It's been paused. So uh, TCU and SMU, it's going to be a good game. Get out to Fort Worth, support the Horned Frogs, wear your purple. And Anthony, you made the comment about Houston maybe being a potential cellar dweller in the Big 12. And there were a lot of Big 12 teams in action this weekend, and there were some interesting results. And we'll get to our thoughts on where some of these teams stand in the conference, but some, some pretty big games, Missouri with a big upset against Kansas state 30 to 27 Kansas state coming in at number 15 in the country, a 61 yard field goal, uh, kind of reminiscent of the Texas tech, Iowa state game that I watched a couple of years ago, where I, I think it was, I think it was, Texas Tech that won that with a 61-yard field goal, or it could be the other way around. I don't know. But all I know that there was a 61-yard field goal that ended that game. And Missouri walking it off against Kansas State, that's a huge upset there. We saw Texas struggle for three quarters against Wyoming. I know I made the comment on the on the last podcast that Wyoming, with a, a chance to do one of the funniest things ever, beating Texas Tech and Texas in the same season, but the Longhorns dominated the fourth quarter. I think they scored three touchdowns mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter and won mm-hmm. that game 31-10. to 10. BYU and West Virginia both represented the Big 12 this weekend. Cougars rallied from a big deficit to beat Arkansas, I believe 38-31 to 31 final score. And then West Virginia taking the backyard brawl. And it very much was a physical brawl. 16 to 17 to 6 or 16 to 7 I think was the final score of of that one. So some so some good wins from the Big 12 but some very surprising results as well. South Alabama destroying Oklahoma State. 33 to 7 the final score and Cincinnati losing to Miami of Ohio. Uh, a couple of ugly losses there for for some Big 12 teams and Man, Oklahoma State is is in trouble, in my opinion. I know there were some serious questions about the quarterback position and rotating three quarterbacks. Who's going to be the guy? Oklahoma State might be a uh, a cellar dweller in the Big 12 this year if that doesn't get resolved. Anthony, what were your thoughts on just what you saw from the Big 12 teams this weekend? What surprised you the most? And what are your thoughts on where you feel like these teams stand right now in the conference? Man, I don't. Did you even mention that Iowa State lost to Ohio? Mm. So that that's oh. you know, man. Yeah, the uh, the competition at the bottom of the Big Twelve, boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fight for uh, who's the worst team <laughs> in the conference this year. I think it's unfortunate because you know last season certainly the Big Twelve was very strong, top to bottom, and I think this year there is. There are a lot of teams that are that are really struggling. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State and Cincinnati and Iowa State are in are in big trouble. Um, you know, I, I think Oklahoma State to get embarrassed like that by South Alabama um, that is that is a really really bad result. And this coming week, Oklahoma State plays Iowa State. I, I'm not. Sure, I mean that. In in a just a disgusting game, I can't believe that that that'll be unwatchable football. But uh, one of those teams may be the loser of that game. May be looking at finding new coaching in the in the near future. Um, you know, I think Coach Gundy has been around a long time. It's man that the bottom just fell out of that place so fast. They were. They were inches away from being in the playoff uh, in 2021, where if they win that Big 12 championship against Baylor, they're probably looking at at least in the conversation for being in the top four. Uh, And and here they are losing in in just 
crushing fashion to South Alabama uh, a couple years later. I I can't believe, I, and maybe the same way teams can turn over their whole roster and become excellent with the transfer portal, the same thing can happen the other way where everybody's gone and and they're just bad. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I take elsewhere. I don't know that I take away too much from Texas struggling in their in their game against Wyoming. I mean, they're you know the the emotional letdown of coming off the huge win at Alabama. You've got conference play starting next week. I don't know that they were too terribly focused on playing that Wyoming team, even though Wyoming had shown it can take down a a, a Big Twelve contender themselves. Um, it, it was nice to see. I, I was very surprised by the BYU result. I, I didn't have very high expectations for BYU this season. So I think they've been impressive. And same with West Virginia, you know, for <laughs> it's amazing that the things that have turned for West Virginia, that Neil Brown had maybe the hottest seat in the conference, maybe in the country going into the season. And now he's like third or fourth on the hot seat list in the big 12. So, uh, you know, I think there's still plenty of time for for them to run him out of town. Uh, the the season is early yet, but um, good things good things around the conference. Uh, and here coming into this next week, where where these teams get to match up against each other, I think it'll be interesting to see some of these. You know, Oklahoma travels to Cincinnati and UCF goes to Manhattan. Um, so I think there'll be some really fun matchups in in the weeks ahead. Yeah, I feel bad for anybody who paid money to watch that Ohio versus Iowa State football game. I think I sent a screenshot to the Frogs of War chat with the first half results. Every drive, I think, was a punt, a missed field goal, turnover on downs. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of controversy in this game, too, as it looked like Iowa State had converted a field goal late in the game. And it's one of those plays where the, the ball is kicked over the the upright and the official basically has to make a judgment call as to whether or not it was it was good and on the on the broadcast it looked like it was good and i think the iowa state special teams unit that was out there they all were just kind of slapping hands thinking that they made the kick and then the the officials ruled that it was no good so uh nothing went well in this game for for iowa state very much an iowa state way to lose this game but uh the the mac conference i mean miami ohio and university of ohio picking up wins over the the big 12 so um crazy results there oklahoma destroyed tulsa oklahoma is kind of starting to look like oklahoma again on the offensive end i think dylan gabriel threw for five touchdowns in this game so oklahoma seems to be playing with a lot of confidence and then Kansas went on the road and got a win against Nevada by seven points in a, in a game where uh, Nevada was was hanging around for, for quite a while. This is a game that was on late. I was going back and forth between this one and the Colorado-Colorado State game, and uh, Nevada was hanging around for a little bit, and Kansas was ultimately able to pull that one out. But, Anthony, we've talked about some of the teams that could be in the basement this year. Have your thoughts changed at all about who the who the contenders are and and who you feel like are the best teams in the conference as it stands right now? I continue to beat the drum that Oklahoma is the team to to beat in the conference. I know Texas obviously has all of the support nationally and they have the big win at Alabama and Oklahoma has played mostly cupcakes. They did play a pretty close game and and well contested game with SMU. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still thinking Oklahoma is the most dangerous team in this conference. Um, I think that it will, that, that red river game will be pretty incredible as it always is. Um, but I, I think that one will, the winner of that game should be in Arlington most definitely. And then I think, you know, Kansas state was up for a letdown. Um, I think eventually some of what they do was going to people were going to catch up to it. Um, but I think once they get into conference play, they could turn it on big time. So I, I'm still I'm still thinking that it's it's Oklahoma, Kansas State at the top and then, you know, TCU and and Texas and 
you know, maybe Texas Tech right there in the next um, batch where, you know, you win a couple upsets or with the unbalanced schedule, things fall your way and, and uh, you pick an, up enough wins to end up in the Big 12 championship game. But to me, it's still Oklahoma and Kansas State at the top with Texas right there. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably right there with you with those three teams and a couple other teams I didn't mention. Uh, UCF picked up a win this weekend. Texas Tech picked up a win this weekend. Uh, John Reese Plumley, I think, is going to be out for a little bit for for the Golden Knights. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to win and and stay competitive in the conference with him out. But yeah, Oklahoma has looked really good over these first few weeks. Granted, a 73-0 win was against Arkansas State and. 66 to 7 against Tulsa but uh I think Oklahoma's offense last year took a big step back. I think there were were massive expectations for Dylan Gabriel and and Marvin Mims and those skill players and they just didn't quite live up to that. But Oklahoma's starting to play really well on that side of the field and and the defense is I mean that's Brent Venables coming over from Clemson and the Sooners really struggled on the defensive side last year. Some of that maybe was just residual Lincoln Riley uh, residue, knowing that Lincoln Riley's teams don't play any defense. But Oklahoma's playing much better on, on both sides of the ball. So um, excited to see what happens in week four as we get into conference play. And it's it's going to be a battle. There, there are more teams in the conference, quality teams every weekend any given Saturday in college football. So uh, we'll continue to highlight what's going on in the Big 12 and, of course, uh, with TCU taking on these teams. Um, we, we will continue to cover that for you all. So uh, any last comments here, Anthony, on the Big 12 or anything you saw this weekend nationally before we, we get into our soccer and our volleyball items? Uh, I mean, nationally, I think it's uh... – it's pretty interesting to see the position that the SEC is in at this point. I mean, Georgia struggled a little bit with South Carolina. I think it's going to be, I it, it will be maybe a definitely a one loss team still gets in, but I I think the SEC is is kind of interesting. Tennessee taking the loss at Florida, the number of undefeated teams left in that conference has dwindled down. I mean, you've got like Missouri, and you do still have. Uh, have Georgia in the mix, obviously, but uh, with LSU and Alabama and Tennessee all having taken losses, Texas A&M, Arkansas, uh, the the quality wins of just like you know these are teams. There, there's no longer all these teams sitting undefeated, uh, ready to go make a run. I think that's that's an interesting thing to watch as uh, conference play picks up going forward. But yeah, let's let's uh, jump into to the other stuff we've got. Absolutely. So TCU Soccer had a huge matchup on Thursday going on the road against the number one team in the country, BYU, who recently upset UCLA. TCU came out and took control of this match early on, actually had a 2-0 lead. Gracie Bryan scored in just the second minute of the match. Seven Castain followed with one of her two goals after that. TCU had a 2-0 lead. BYU did eventually come back, and ultimately this match played to a 3-3 draw, which I have to say is a big win for for the Frogs, given how the season has gone so far. There have been some some good wins for TCU so far, but as a whole, I think the team playing a little bit under expectations with where TCU came in in the preseason top 25 and, and where the team stands right now. But going on the road in Big 12 play against the number one team in the country, playing very well in the first half and coming away with a 3-3 draw has to be a big confidence builder for, for this team. Anthony, did you catch any of this match? What were your thoughts on just what you saw in this match? Oh, yeah. I watched just about every minute of this match. It was it was just a terrific soccer. Um, it was in an insane atmosphere there they had like 5700 people or something at this game at, at BYU huge crowd raucous 
uh, loud crowd there in Provo. And yeah, for TCU to come out after the the loss at Butler, really disappointing result to then go and earn this result at BYU is is a huge bounce back um, for the squad and and played with with all kinds of fire uh, to start this game. And and yeah, Seven Castain, a Utah native to come out and score two goals in her home state um, is pretty cool as well. Um, you know, Gracie Bryan took an injury in this game where she was on the sideline with, with ice on her legs and, uh, you know, getting the training staff working on her and she was in and out. So, you know, she didn't get to play a full, a full game and, in the minute she did play, she scored in the opening minutes of the game, assisted on uh, one of the seven cast angles later on. Um, so not having her out there for a full, you know, uh, ability at, at 100% for as many minutes as she could play uh, was disappointing. But, um, you know, I, I think some of the BYU fans came away uh, upset at TCU because the Horn Frogs in the final two or three minutes or so kind of parked the bus and really uh, tried to drain that clock out as as yeah TCU was clearly running out of steam on you know they're cramping you're playing at altitude you're uh, you know in this road environment you're really just at that point trying to escape with with the point in the draw so. Uh, you know, there there was a little bit of fan jawing back and forth there, and and the Twitter the Twitter mentions after the game were hilarious. It was a good reminder of what it's like to uh, to play against BYU. So that'll be fun later this year in in football season. We get to we get to interact with those folks again. Um, but um, a, a, a terrific result. I mean, unfortunately, BYU followed this game up with a loss. Uh, in their their next contest, so I'm sure BYU will drop out of their top spot overall and uh, move back to the middle of the pack a little bit. But um, TCU, a, a big result that opens up conference play in, in a very positive way. And then TCU following that up uh, yesterday with a three to one victory over Stephen F. Austin. Three different players in this game scored for TCU. Gracie Bryan had a goal. Early in the first half, uh, Ali Pena also scored, and then Cameron Lancaster in the second half for for the Frogs. So TCU getting a non-conference win before hitting the road for two more Big 12 conference games. TCU will be on the road this Thursday, the 21st, against Cincinnati. They will then go on the road to play West Virginia on Sunday, the 24th. So TCU soccer, 4-3-2 on the season. You wonder if this uh, this win over Stephen F. Austin and tie against BYU will maybe get t- uh, TCU back in the top 25. We will see. But um, some positive results for TCU soccer this past week. And also TCU volleyball had a really good tournament over the weekend at Schollmeyer Arena. The fight in the fort, which featured TCU, Hawaii, Florida State, and Western Carolina. TCU really dominated this tournament, winning all three matches extending their win streak to five games with the Big 12 schedule starting later this week. TCU will go to Kansas State. They will play two matches against the Wildcats this Thursday and Friday. But to recap this tournament real quick as our new uh, resident volleyball fan, TCU won on Thursday against Hawaii 3-1, to beat Florida State 3-1 to on Friday, and then came back and swept Western Carolina on Saturday. Western Carolina, the obvious weak team in the field of four, but uh, TCU really played well against Florida State. This was a a historic game in which Melanie Parra had 34 kills, and it just kind of set the stage for how significant this was. Melanie Parra, the transfer from Texas, came in and had 27 kills on Thursday against Hawaii, and this was one of the highest kill counts for any TC volleyball player in a four set match in program history was her new season high, also her new career high. And then Melanie Parra came right back the following day on Hispanic heritage night, Mexican born player, 34 kills with 10 digs, a double, double the 34 kills were the most for any division one volleyball player this year. And it was a new TCU record for a four set match second most kills in a match for 
any for any t second most kills in any match for a TC volleyball player is what I was trying to say. But uh, a big shout out to Melanie Parr. Congratulations to her on a tremendous weekend. Also, Brianna Green, the middle blocker, transferred in from Denver. She had ten blocks in the match against Hawaii on Thursday. She's now over five hundred career blocks. So a shout out to her as well, and a congratulations to her. Audrey Nalls, who was a all Big 12 preseason honoree, she looks healthy. She's back into the rotation. She was coming off the bench for a little while, I think just working her way back from the injury, but she's now in the starting lineup. And TCU's playing with a lot of rhythm right now. Riley Buckley, the setter, transfer from Missouri, has been tremendous. She had 49 assists in the match against Florida State on Friday. So TCU offensively and defensively, playing with some confidence right now and carrying a five-game win streak into conference play, going 7-4 and four over the non-conference schedule. A pretty good result for the Frogs. Uh, a couple of good wins, knocking off Texas A&M, who was 7-0 and going into that match, knocking off Florida State. So we'll see if TCU can continue to keep that winning streak here in the Big 12 where you're going to have some really, really talented teams uh, coming up here. So... Um, we'll continue to cover all of TCU sports, football, soccer, volleyball, and more online at frogsofwar.com and here on the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. I think that's all we have for this evening. Anthony, any final thoughts on anything that we've covered this evening before we transition out of here? No, just everybody get out to the Carter this weekend. Be there early. Um, it's, it's going to be quite an atmosphere. So, uh, let's, let's go enjoy, you know, enjoy these final, uh, iron skillet contests that we get and, and go really take it to the Mustangs on Saturday. And don't forget to stock up on your TCU swag online at charliehustle.com. Again, use the promo code frogs war for 15% off any TCU items, or you could use the promo code TEN1215. TEN1215 for 15% off any non-sale items. If you want to play daily fantasy sports, download the PrizePix mobile app, go to prizepix.com, use the promo code FROGS12, FROGS12, get a 100% deposit match up to $100. The Patreon is live. Again, if you would like to donate, support the 1012 network and all the podcasts that are involved, including our own here at Frogs Up, go to patreon.com forward slash ten 12 network and lastly our partnership with on it we're very excited about this again check out on it athlete we have information posted about our partnership on our facebook page at frogs of war our twitter at frogs of war pre-sales are live for tcu football trading cards 12.99 a pack 33 percent of sales to tcu nil october 2nd is the launch date for those so we really appreciate all the support online, on social media, and here on the Frogs Up podcast. So thanks so much for joining in. We will be back on Thursday. We will record our midweek episode previewing the 2023 version of the Iron Skillet against SMU and talking about the latest and greatest in TCU sports and college sports across the country. So with that, I'm Russ Hodges. That's Anthony North. We will sign off for this evening. Get your frogs up. Frogs up.